When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Life the Tower here on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe, producer Cameron Parker, alongside with you up until the noon hour. Then it's Chad and Zay coming up. Uh, clean up from hour number one, and uh, that included uh, uh, several folks. Uh, somebody in talking about uh, the deal about the bear eating the 60 cupcakes and, uh, the, and the coconut cake. Somebody said, sounds like live-action Yogi Bear. Yeah, wasn't there a live action? Well, it can't be live action, but they, there was a Yogi Bear a movie. CGI. A few years, yeah, I think I so. Know, maybe. Yeah, a few years ago. Uh, in talking about being in South Beach, somebody said, "I can't see Craig in a speedo." Although his wife Linda may be all about it. Nope, nope, neither of us are on board. <laughs> see, with Craig, that. look, that's the that's the video of the beaver just giving himself a bath and, and <laughs> scrubbing his belly. You see that, Cam? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Beavers of Insta is an Instagram uh, account that shows nothing but like. Beavers doing human activities. Yeah, I could I could literally spend all day on this and not get bored. Yeah, uh, with regard to the Dallas Stars losing, somebody said uh, as a Vegas resident, we're happy. Uh, and then uh, with regard <laughs> to this being the 14th anniversary of the 25 inning game in the regional, that was winners bracket game Saturday night, Texas Boston College, BC had to come back and play. Army at noon the next day, and and lost uh, a one run ball game, and then Army in Texas had that memorable fourteen to ten game with Preston Clark with a walk off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. Was that the prodigious clout game? Nope. Prodigious clout came three weeks later in Omaha by none other than the student assistant coach Cameron uh, Rupp. Okay. Cameron Rupp. That was in the. Game against Arizona State. Texas had not dropped a game in the region. They'd already beaten Arizona State once after trailing early six to nothing in Arizona State at Mike Leak on the mound. Mm-hmm. And um, Texas came back and and uh, beat them and then played them in the bracket championship. And they were down 3 2 going to the bottom of the ninth. And Rupp hit the home run into the barbecue smoke. It disappeared over the top of the hill there at. at uh, Rosenblatt, which is why I said a prodigious clout. Prodigious clout. And then a lot of folks don't remember that Connor Rose stepped up right behind him and then did a little slingshot pop gun home run into the first row of the bleachers uh, there in left field to walk it off. And Texas was in the national championship series at that point. You know, it's random. Like, you were some super regionals you, you really remember and some you just yeah. forget. They give, you know, the Florida State in 03. Uh, 
there's different ones you remember. The one that I really remember, just Texas dominating, was the Vanderbilt Super here in 04. Because Jeremy Sowers, what did he go? Jeremy Sowers, fifth, sixth overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cleveland? Yeah, he was out of that game quick. I think they won. I, I'm not 100% sure of that. I think the finals were like 12-2 and 10 nothing, mm-hmm. something like that. They were two blowouts. The 3 you mentioned uh, gets forgotten somewhat because uh, Texas had won the Big 12 tournament uh, but got seeded. And in those days, they only seeded the top eight. And then it went from there. And then the way they had the bracket set up, Texas would be what today would be considered the 16 seed, which mm-hmm. is like Alabama's the 16 seed in this year's tournament. And so they were going to be at home in that 03 uh, regional and opposite Florida State. And 15 3 and 10 2 were the scores that there Vanderbilt scored. Yeah, two blowouts there. And. I remember uh, Augie Greeter said he talked to Charlie Carr, who was the athletic director of Florida State, who was the head of the baseball tournament <laughs> selection committee, and said, Love this. and said, you really think that we're the 16th best team? And he said, well, that's not the way we look at it. He goes, how else can we look at it? So they get down there for the pre-tournament news conference, and somebody asked Augie, do you think that's unfair that you have to face – Florida State so early, the number one overall seed in the Super Region. He goes, yes, it's incredibly unfair to Florida State. <laughs> and Texas went out and proved it. Uh, they got rained out the first day. It was going to be a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, and so there was all this concern about it. It's going to go to Tuesday. Well, Texas won Sunday night, Monday night, and that was it. Beat them both games, and Augie passed Cliff Gustafson to be college baseball's all-time winning as head coach at that time. Got win number 1327, I guess, in 1328. So, yeah, the there's that super regional. Uh, the one against TCU in 09 that went to the final game that Texas won, and then the one in 2010 when Texas had went 24-3 in the Big 12 Conference, a winning percentage that I don't think will ever be equal, especially as they go to the 10 uh, series format next year. They had an 889 winning percentage, go 24-3, but lost in Game 3. To uh, TCU in uh, in uh, TCU one Oxford in 05. Oxford at 05 was as memorable to me as any of them. And I w- honestly, I w- of the ones I've covered, I would put Greenville last year. Up that there was with incredibly uh, memorable as well, no doubt about it. Like the ones that folks probably don't remember that much about are Tennessee Tech. Yeah, in eighteen South Florida two years ago. Yeah, South Florida I think was twenty nine and twenty eight. Going into postseason, yeah, they were, they yeah. were in the Gainesville region, yeah. Yep. Which brings us to one of those things I said was kind of inconceivable. Is anybody taking a look at Tulane? <laughs> uh, and then somebody on Facebook said, "Did they did they forfeit a lot of their games?" No, 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 no. Then somebody else said, "Well, they started horribly in non-conference, which they did. They were one in ten, and said, but then they got hot in conference play. No, they didn't. No. They went eight and sixteen and finished in seventh place." And Belton Gringo said, "It's crazy how nineteen and forty-two Lane made the postseason after winning the American tournament. They got rewarded with the LSU regional. Yeah, uh, RPI of one sixty-four. And I remember looking on Sunday." <laughs> saying, you know, usually the lowest RPI-rated team is the representative from the Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SWAC team. Yeah. Not in this case. It was not. That's a win for the SWAC, boys yeah. and girls. For FAMU, for Florida A&M, which will be in Gainesville where Texas Tech will be. And, uh, and yeah, Tulane uh, goes 70 miles up I-10 
to Baton Rouge where LSU is there as the uh, as the regional host. But they are 19 and 40 and it's the lowest win percentage going into an NCAA regional in history. At least since the uh since the evolution of the 60-14 bracket in 1999. And and by the way, since the introduction of the 60-14 bracket in 1999, um this is only the second time and the first in 10 years that the state of Texas does not have a regional, is not represented by any program in the state of Texas, be it Texas, TCU, Texas Tech, Dallas Baptist, Houston, Rice, Baylor, whomever. It's the first time since 2013 that, uh, and only the second time ever since the 6014 format has evolved, that there's no representative, no regional host in the state of Texas. Where do you that this is the second year in a row where the team that wins the Big 12 tournament is just insanely hot? Yeah. Like just like how crazy good Oklahoma got at the end of last yeah. year and just how dominant TCU was after after deal in Arlington. After finishing in fourth place in the league standings, and I think that was a larger consideration because I know some folks said, well, it, TCU won the Big 12 tournament. They finished hot. How come they get sent to Fayetteville? Well, because the body work in the regular season said a lot of otherwise. So, somebody, somebody did rise to a two seed. By the way, somebody's got to go to these places. Yeah, you know that's what I'm saying. Like we were talking about it last week. We're like, well, why are they projecting this team to go here and this team? I'm like somebody's got to go to Palo Alto. Somebody's yeah. got to go to Coral Gables. Yeah, and with it being the farthest one west, it figured that a Texas school was going to be sent there. That's why I know that uh, Kendall Rogers and the D1 baseball guys had until late Sunday night. They had Texas. Uh, uh, ticketed in their their prognostications to go to Palo Alto, but they changed that Sunday night to Miami, which is ultimately Coral Gables, where it wound up, where Texas will be. And uh, but you look at the other teams in the Big Twelve that are going. Oklahoma State is the only regional host, but it's not a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Or Roberts is the four seed. ORU beat Oklahoma State this year, and as and as had been pointed out. By a couple of folks who said they're they're really not a four seed. It's more balancing out the bracket off of that. Yeah, you know, just hearing the brackets, and we were talking about it, you know, in the dugout yesterday, waiting on the media availability to start. I was like, man, this team went here, and this team is there, and you look at this number two here. I think it just shows you, and I think this is where maybe some of the expectations for this program. And I'm not saying the Texas baseball program should ever have low expectations because that's just it's the reality. It's the way sure. it is. It's the way of such as life. Uh, but I think it just shows you that college baseball is insanely more balanced than I think maybe some people like to think that it is. Yeah. You know, it, you've got really good teams. And I know the SEC with getting eight hosts, and uh, people might say that's overblown. That's a damn good baseball league. Ole Miss barely got into the tournament last year and won the whole thing. Yeah. So it just shows you there's a lot of teams across the country, a lot of schools that are putting money into baseball. They're putting resources into baseball. They care about it. And that's why the game across the country is really, really competitive. It's not like it was 20, 30 years ago where you just got the same mm-hmm. handful of schools that you know they're guaranteed to go to Omaha every year. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, we've seen that manifest itself in other ways. Uh, there will be an NCAA regional in Terre Haute, Indiana. That's good. For that's the first awesome. time. Yeah. I, I like what Bob Lou said after the media availability to David Pierce when he's walking back after he said, and remember, Miami is no Terre Haute. <laughs> He said, I can always count on you, Bob. Well, you remember like last year, like, I think it's cool, like LSU having to go to Hattiesburg last year. Yeah, they did. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. I I, I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. So 
you know, so that, that Terre Haute, and I was looking, and I, I watched quite a bit of Indiana State of the Weekend just in case Texas was going to wind up because I, I knew Terre Haute was going to be one of the regional sites. And I was looking at that ballpark, and it's like I was telling you, that ballpark looked like a cross between Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park in Lubbock in terms of its size mm-hmm. and its bleacher construction and the old Alley P. Reynolds Stadium with a high back wall, padded wall. Mm-hmm. So I sent that to Roger. Well, Roger, I'd forgotten. Uh, you know, lived and worked in Wichita for a few years and did Wichita State baseball, and he did telecast. <laughs> and, and of course, in the Missouri Valley, they were playing Indiana State when, when Wichita State was in the Valley back then. And he said, uh, and I said, it looks like a cross between Dan Law Field uh, and and uh, and uh, the old Alley P. He goes, when I went there in 93 to do a thing, it looked like a cross between Round Rocks Ballpark and Burger. <laughs> so uh so anyway there's you know there's those kind of wrinkles. I thought Campbell did res- deserve a regional. They didn't get it. South Carolina got it. Instead that was probably the one that was you, you know really close to that even mm-hmm. though Alabama wound up being the 16 seed there. Yeah. Auburn was another, you know, should they host, should they not host teams that went out real early in the SEC tournament. Um so it'll be uh, Lexington, Kentucky. That's where West Virginia's got to go. Um, That's what loses in your last five. Yeah, although I, I was kind of—I thought it was kind of strange when Clay Matvick was saying that you know West Virginia was going to drop to a three, and I thought they're not going to be a co-champ for the Big Twelve dropping to a three, and no. they didn't. They did drop to a two, but they uh, so you know that—that's like you said. A lot of it's done in the name of balancing the bracket. Uh, Oklahoma. Got in, and they might. They and Arizona were probably the last two in. He was probably really not laughing about the Tulane bit. Pete Hughes and K State probably aren't laughing about Tulane getting into this. No, that probably kept them out. (laughs) That one, that or Charlotte beating Dallas Baptist. One of those two uh, probably kept Kansas State out and or USC. Yes. So those two probably didn't get in because of the two bid stealers that happened there. And then remember Xavier was a bid stealer as well. There were three legitimate bid stealers. Xavier knocking out Yukon and uh, Charlotte beating Dallas Baptist to uh, win Conference USA and uh and then Tulane winning the American over East Carolina. And it also probably kept uh ECU and DBU from drawing even real serious consideration to host a regional. So that is Charlottesville regional. You have Virginia who's a top eight. We know how good East Carolina is. I know they've had a tough year, but we know how good that team is. Oklahoma, yeah. What we we, if you were at that any of those three games at Dishfuck, you know how good Oklahoma can be. Yep. So that's what I'm saying, man. Across the board, there's just tough regionals, and you know what, Craig? We're gonna get through this weekend, and there are gonna be top eights that don't survive the weekend. Augie used to always say that. He said there will be the expect the unexpected. There will be he Augie used to say there will be an unseated team that wins a regional. And he said, and it, and you can always count, almost always count on a seed below a two seed, either a three or a four mm-hmm. to win a regional. Yeah. And it almost always happens. So we'll see how it is. We know the Longhorns are facing a tough three seed in Louisiana. We'll get to that coming up. We'll hear from Eric Kennedy, and we'll continue. Uh, first of all, a question. Somebody says, when you say, Big Chris Pan says, when you say bouncing bracket, do you mean geographically or ranking-wise? Yes. All of the above, uh, it, it all of those considerations have to it, go into it. Um, 
And somebody said, uh, Oral Roberts, Belton and Brigo, says the longest current win streak. They're at 18. That's right. They are. Uh, so um, so there we are. Uh, and Belton Gringo, I forget that you're an Ellison guy too, so my bad on that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, uh, one other deal with regard to the uh, to the bear story. Uh, we had a bear in Colorado open the front door, walk into the house, go upstairs in the kitchen, open the freezer, and ate two gallons of ice cream and left. Ice cream was all over the kitchen. We saw giant paw prints everywhere. That's your kind of story. That's what these bears have a sweet tooth. They do. They love it. They love it. A lot of people in the Smoky Mountains, and I'm just going to tell you, having been in the Smokies before, and I think Cam has as well, don't feed the bear marshmallows. Don't do that. Because then he gets mad when you stop and thinks you're teasing him, and then he comes at you. Don't feed the bear candy bars or marshmallows and things like that. Don't feed him anything. Yeah, exactly. Especially. Don't feed. Why would you feed a bear? What's wrong with There's people? big signs up everywhere. Don't feed the bears. You know, I, I say it all the time, and I uh, I'm always amazed when people like you know Ricky Brennis and his group. They do a really good job of getting Bevo from place to place wherever sure. he needs to go. And I'm like, oh, Bevo's so cute. Look at him, and you want to get close to Bevo and take a picture. I'm like, no. You realize if you agitate the big fella, you're you're one false move away from having a really bad afternoon. Yeah, he's a steer. He's a massive steer. These are animals. Yeah, you you got to have respect. For, yeah. for for the animal. You do. You just. You just do. I, I mean, I always remember that shot of Jordan Shipley hurdling him in the end zone. Remember that when he hurtled <laughs> and over Bebo? And Keith's call up? was awesome, too. He's in the end zone with Bebo. Yeah, you right. know what audio we were talking about the other day that I wish we still had? What's that? When uh, Keith said that uh, you banged Big Bertha yeah. and that he was there and saw it. 2007. I think my man Matt Butler is on that right now, trying okay. to trying to yeah. see if he can dig that up. Yeah, Rod wouldn't let that go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about me banging Big Bertha. Craig said, banged it's Big the Bertha. Drum. Keith was there to watch okay, it. the drum. Rod took it and ran with it simply because I always said it was always my dream to bang Big Bertha. <laughs> and I said, the drum. Hey, now. The drum. You okay? There it is. All right. Coming up, we'll have our Longhorn notebook. We'll hear from Eric Kennedy when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Uh, uh, yeah, like the tower. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach. Bring it here. Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Yeah, I don't think the team will actually be staying on South Beach. Kind of doubt that on I'm going down there, take. All right, so can I can I reveal the because uh, this is going to tie into our Longhorn Notebook here in a minute? Sure. What do you need to reveal? The three players who we met with after the bracket reveal yesterday were Lucas Gordon, mm-hmm. Dylan Campbell, and Eric Kennedy. Yes. Eric Kennedy was the only one of the three who knew this song. Really? Dylan Campbell and Lucas Gordon had no idea <laughs> what was being asked of them. Okay. No point of reference. And perhaps even more surprising than learning that 
David Pierce had never been to Miami was that Eric Kennedy, a Tampa, Florida native, who who went to Calvary Christian in Tampa. Now I know it's across the state. Oh, said about four or five hours. Yeah, yeah. Had never been to Miami as well. But he'll go to Coral Gables this week, which leads us. Wait a minute before we do that. Before we get to the long run, we have the Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to FLXATX.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. Okay. It is um, it's official. There's no softball teams left from the greater Austin, Central Texas area to make it to state this week. UIL State Softball Tournament is this week, uh, but uh, there won't, will be no area schools left. Georgetown, the last team standing knocked out there. So, Lake Creek, right? Yep, Montgomery very, Lake Creek. Very good program. Yep, absolutely. So uh, they, uh, they knocked them out. But there are still area baseball teams with a shot going into the state quarterfinals. Yep, just eight teams remaining in each uh, in 6A, 5A, 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A, and at least three of those are Sentex teams. Westlake, Rouse, how about Rouse, and the Taylor Ducks. The mighty Taylor Ducks keep on rolling, Craig. So there's a 6A, a 5A, and a 4A mm-hmm. still representing the state's three largest classifications there with uh, all advancing through to the state quarterfinal round. So that's pretty cool deal there. So there's there's still that and uh, we'll um, we'll get into a little deeper profile on those uh, opponents here in the coming days for those as well. So there it is. Congratulations to the three area uh, baseball teams that are still alive as they move into the quarterfinals this weekend of the UIL state baseball playoffs. All right, there's your Flex 30 update. Let's move forward now to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. And so you were there to to witness uh, what the uh, players were talking about yesterday. And uh, I thought it was funny what Dylan Campbell said about, we have this bad feeling in our mouth. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the soundbite played on local TV last night, and Linda said, "Shouldn't it be bad taste? It's a, little, it's a bad feeling overall, and it's a bad a taste." Mixed, mixed metaphors, but <laughs> it happens to all of us. Yeah. We we tend to do that. I, I'll say this though: the one thing we haven't talked about that I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure you'll get into it tomorrow uh, when I'm not here, and you know we'll get into it leading up to Friday. What is this bullpen going to look like? Mm-hmm. Because David Pierce confirmed, didn't tell us the extent. I, I don't. I haven't heard officially, but. The extent doesn't sound great uh, that David Shaw and Heston Toll neither will be available for the regional. That's correct. Uh, DJ Burke is in the transfer portal. Right. So there's another. But DJ Burke hasn't pitched since I think right. the end of April, but still, right. it's a bullpen hand. Uh, you also had Peyton Powell and Jared Thomas dealing with back injuries. So everybody got a chance to get healthy, but that bullpen, it was already shaky. So now. I, we, we talked about it on uh, Friday, Craig, coming back from Arlington. If you're David Pierce and Woody Williams, I don't know what you do, you know, to to if to get somebody out of that bullpen that's reliable that can get you an out when you need it. Now you're really at the point where you're going to have to get really good offensive production and get quality starts. 
plus out of out of Lucas Gordon and, and LBJ. I did think it was interesting what David Pierce said yesterday in the in the regular media session about how he and Woody were going to get together to clearly define roles because he said, uh, you know, with all the mix up for folks who said, well, shouldn't they have the define, but not when you've had the ongoing injuries and the ever-changing roles and LeBaron Johnson moving from the bullpen into the rotation and moving from the third game starter to the second game starter and the return of Tanner Witt. There's a whole myriad of reasons why. And who do you use to piggyback on Witt's start? Exactly. If you you get to Witt, and yeah, it's it's not ideal. So they've had to adjust on the fly to a lot of that. So that's what he said that, that they hope to do, like what they had in twenty one, where you knew there were certainly clearly defined roles. Is that if you, you you're either going to get one of Wit and or Cole Quintanilla, and then turn it over to Aaron Dixon in the ninth? That, that was a really nice luxury to have. Exactly. Uh, so as a result of that, you you wanted to. Uh, that's one of the things they want to make sure they have a better handle on going into this week. It's a it's a Louisiana team. It's batting two eighty eight. It's, it's they're not a lot of wall bangers. They sit, hit sixty six home runs total. Their leading home run hitter uh, Julian Brock has hit eleven home runs. Where they hurt you is once they get on the bases. A hundred and sixty one stolen bases in two hundred and eighteen attempts. They also field very well nine eighty two. The fielding percentage. Uh, they had some um, some really impressive pitching performances. Uh, throughout the course of the weekend, but I had a couple of starters have to make second starts as well. I think the Longhorns will, in all probability, uh, can expect to see a right-hander, uh, uh, the right-hander uh, Jackson Nezu go, and uh, Nezu is uh, nine and five this year, and a six one four ERA. He's worked a lot of innings, eighty five innings, and he has ninety five strikeouts. Walk 32, uh, but he pitches to contact. He's allowed 82 hits uh, this year and has allowed 20 doubles. Only nine homers, but he's also hit 10 batters and thrown eight wild pitches. So we'll see how it is. Uh, you know, the, where they can hurt you, obviously, is offensively and uh, with their defense. The pitching, the long runs will have to try to get to the underbelly of that while having their own pitching work as well. And uh, meanwhile, as they go on the attack, you have Eric Kennedy. Uh, getting ready, fifth-year senior, last go-around for him. So he's been down this road in the postseason before. So in that media availability yesterday, he was talking about having one last opportunity with he and his mates to get back on the field in a postseason situation. You know, it's just opportunity for us to get out there and compete against three good teams, and I know we're all looking forward to it. These are the kind of environments, these kind of games that you sign up to play college baseball for, is going to regionals and playing these kind of games. You know, it's, you know, it's going to be rockets there. It's going to be a fun environment, a cool city that we get to go experience. So just really soak it all in, uh, take it one pitch, one bat at a time, and then at the end of the day, it's still the same game we've been playing since we were younger, so just try not make it bigger than it is. and. Um, just go have fun and enjoy it. So, uh, anyway, there it is. The uh, go out and have some uh, fun and enjoy it. So that's that's what he's uh, what uh, what they're hoping to be able to do it. But by the same token, be able to attack what they're seeing. And, and like I said, the first and foremost thing is to zero in on uh, Louisiana. Get ready yeah. for a Cajun ball club that's been hot. Yeah, and you know. I think the the thing for David Pierce, this is what I really took away from yesterday, 
and the, and the players kind of said it too, they feel like those three games against West Virginia, they feel like that's really who they can be. That wasn't a fluke. That's really yep. who they can be. And I think that's kind of the the challenge coming off of Arlington, two pretty forgettable games where everybody to a man yesterday with a few days to process it. There were no excuses, man. They said, look, we just flat didn't play well and, and got beat by two teams that did play well. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing is maybe trying to figure out, okay, similar setup to this week, right? Didn't have a midweek game that week, so you've got some days to process and to plan and to prepare going into Friday. Um, whatever that was that you got going into more, going into that series against West Virginia, can you find that again? Can you rekindle whatever that was? Because Craig, and I asked David Pearson, he said, I 100% agree, I'm paraphrasing here, but I asked him after the Saturday win over West Virginia, I said, is this the most complete you guys have played all year? Before I even finished the question, he said, absolutely. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's the most complete we've been all year. And I think that's kind of the frustrating thing is you go from that to what we saw in Arlington, and can you figure out, bottle whatever it was that you took into that series and take it with you to Coral Gables? I would also say this, too, and uh, David Pierce said it in the conversation we had last hour, and he said it before, when he got to conference tournament play, conference tournament play is the one thing that's different than anything else you do. It's different than the regular season, vastly different. It's different than than regional and super regional and in Omaha because you're really relying on your frontline pitchers. But unless your team, like, say, TC was kind of on the edge of that, Kansas State definitely and Oklahoma definitely, you needed to really perform well in the conference tournament. Um Unless that happens, you're not really in that same uh, situation. So coaches have an eye if they know they're going to be in the NCAA tournament on the regional. How do I want to set up my pitching? How do I want to rest them? Yeah, you, you certainly want to win. You'd like to win a tournament championship. But it's not the number one thing on the priority list. It It, it isn't if you have a mind I mean, I always think of 2005. Uh, they left Taylor Teagarden at home and Kyle McCulloch at home, knowing those guys were banged up, but they didn't want to. Uh, Augie uh, and uh, and Tom Holiday did not want to risk something bad happening, worse happening. Leave it home. Let's do what we can. That's the tournament where Clay Van Hook wound up catching in in, in the deal, and uh, you know, it just. You you kind of make some choices there. And in this case, because both Lucas Gordon and LeBaron Johnson had gone the last couple of weeks on one day's less rest and had actually done pretty well, they thought, okay, let, let's, let's roll with it one more time, try to get a couple of wins to lock down being a host perhaps. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. And I think you could tell both were maybe a little bit tired, even though the, neither pitched horribly. Well, it's interesting, too. What, what, what Gino said yesterday when he met with us was he, because he pitched on Wednesday. I'm trying to remember the West Virginia series. He would have pitched on Thursday. That's correct. So basically, he said he used those couple days coming off that start as basically rest days, didn't do what he would normally do leading mm-hmm. into a start. And then starting on starting this week when they got they got back on uh, you know, took the bus back on Thursday. So he said, starting Saturday, then he started to approach it like, okay, I pitched last night. Now I'm going to do what I would normally do on a Saturday and a Sunday and on forward. So the value is in the rest there, is my point. But it, that's it, not to excuse the bad play. That's just no, what no. It was. They, hit, they hit 175. 
is a team, yeah. and so that has nothing to do with pitching. Yeah. There, you know, so that's uh, I was only talking about it from the pitching perspective. They they've got to be able to they have to and 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 uh, Ty Harrington put it really well when he was on with uh, Bucky and Aaron this morning. They can't, and all teams are in this situation. You cannot hang your hat on two out RBIs and two out. If you do, you're going to wind up. That's like saying uh, that you're betting on your kids for your retirement to take care of you or whatever. To just, go, it's yeah. a, it's a, you're really running a risk. To go back to the basketball game last night, Charles Barkley made this point about the Celtics. He said when you look at the Celtics, they make a lot of tough shots. He said, yeah. but in this league, you're not going to get by on making tough shots. He said the teams that win, they're the teams that are able to get stops and turnovers and runouts and easy shots. Those are the things that add up. Yes, you're going to have to make tough shots, but you can't make a living off that. No, same thing also with two out hitting. You know, with runners in scoring positions, yeah. you got to get them home when you get them in the scoring position with less than two outs. I think that that was a very, very important uh, consideration. I, I would like to see them really utilize a short game. You put pressure on the other team defensively because you've got enough speed throughout this mm-hmm. lineup to be able to do that. So you, I've said it, I've, I've said it ad nauseum. One of, one of the first conversations I had with David Pierce when he took the job was he wanted an offense that can score in multiple ways, mm-hmm. and that's one of the ways you can do it. Yes, this offense. They've hit the second most home runs in school history. Right. Only only team that hit more was last year's team. But I think they've got enough speed and and they can they've got enough guys that have some savvy about them on the base pass. They can put a lot of pressure on somebody yep. in the short game and in the run game. Yeah. And it would not, by the way, would not surprise me because of the extended rest of both of his number one and two starters to see him flip it for the regional and start LeBaron Johnson against a predominantly right handed Louisiana ball club. Mm-hmm. And then come back with Lucas Gordon against a predominantly left-handed hitting Miami team if they play Miami in the second game. If Miami knocks out the Black Bears of Maine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's interesting too. We, we'll, I want to talk about more of this on Thursday. But yeah. LBJ is kind of his, especially if he starts that first game, we can get into it. But his yeah. evolution. I asked Pete Hughes about him after that K State game, and he said. He's been really good this year. He's at the point where you have to jump on his fastball, he said, and he throws it at such an angle, and it runs in on, on righties so hard. He said, your only plan is you have to hope he misses up. Yep. Yeah. That it's exactly. up and it's off. And he said, and we were just fortunate that we caught a couple of barrels and, and yeah. that's yeah. led to the one run they got off him. But that's that's the kind of that's the kind of mindset and kind of, uh, kind of year LBJ's had going yeah. into this thing, kind of how he's evolved into – a really, really good starting pitcher. Somebody asked, do the coaches call the pitches or the catchers? The answer is both. Uh, they'll they'll do both. Also, the pitchers have the right to shake mm-hmm. to it, and they do sometimes. If you're more comfortable, and all major league managers, I heard I was watching the Dodger game the other day, they were talking about this, and I've heard college coaches say it. They would rather have their pitcher throw a pitch that they, as coach or manager, would not have called if that pitcher is convicted in throwing it and can throw it with more conviction than a pitch that they call from the dugout that the pitcher may not have as much confidence in. That's the thing, though. Like It's, it's teaching guys to have confidence in themselves. Mike Leach used to do this, and all his quarterbacks have talked about it. There comes a point early in their time as a starter where he'll give them like an audible to audible to a run at the line of scrimmage, and there's you know three, four guys in the box, and they'll run the pass. But he said, why didn't you check to the run? 
well, Coach, you, you called a pass play first. It's like, no, they had four guys in the box. Use your brain. Check to the run. So yeah. it's teaching guys just to kind of take control of the moment. If you feel comfortable doing it, if you see it, don't be a robot. Be be coachable, but don't be a robot. Just go on your instincts. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the, the real fine line. Uh, when it happens like that, so that 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 would be the case. Uh, Stoner said, "I mean, it's not surprising uh, because Ek spent half his life playing at Texas, tenth or eleventh year. He's only a fifth year senior, but he has started in uh, all five years, basically, including the COVID year. He so, was in a yeah. signing class with Calvin Murray, so he's been, <laughs> he's gotten a good feel for this program. All right, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition. Light the tower on the horn." Before we get done. Yeah, real quick, uh, one of our loyal listeners, MJ from Hearn, was laid up last week. He's back at work today. So uh, thank you for your contributions on the Specs text line. Hearn, the town that Walmart killed twice, but MJ is thriving. He is. And so was Mumford just down the road from him. Man, they've been real busy with baseball and softball (laughs) as well. All right. Uh, Jeff is out tomorrow. We'll see about me, uh, depending on uh, what time I have to do. But uh, Cam will be here. Also, may have the Cam and Ty uh, celebration hour going on. Might have that going. That could be fun. I didn't get a chance even to talk about Ty's blown parlay, where he had it ready to win a parlay to go from 50 to 1,500 and something bucks, and the Celtics tipping at the buzzer killed him. That was kind of an inconceivable. Glad we always have somebody on this on our staff who's a, a resident degenerate. He is, and he can get into more in that uh, as well. We'll talk to you next time on Light the Tower.